Good morning. Wow, it is hot. Yeah, it's on this morning. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Not everybody say amen at once. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Guys, we are uh, headed into fall, believe it or not. Labor Day has passed, and uh, <coughs> Phil has done his annual men's trip, which always means we start off with a new series. And we're starting a new series this morning. I'll let him take care of what he's doing and, and with, with Rome when he starts. Uh, I want to ask a favor, please. I know we have guys that are tuning in live, and some people may still be a little bit concerned about just being in a room with other people. But if you would, please encourage somebody that you may have sat with before, somebody you may have known that's not no longer here in the room, to log in or to participate with us. Come join us. Come joining us would be great. But I understand some guys may not uh, may not feel comfortable doing that still, and I, I certainly respect that. But uh, we are a men's group, men's coaching group, as you know, trying to reach men in this community. And it's helpful if we have them either participate live or uh, by video stream. I want to pull up a video, please, or a slide yeah. of uh, an event. 9-11. No, 9-21. 9-21. 921. We're meeting at the Motor Club. The Motor Club. Okay. Kicking off fundraising event for Deer Camp. The picture is a, uh, is a is a barn or a barn dominium as some people are calling them now. Uh, and it is a facility that would enhance, I ain't gonna enhance, it ain't gonna be anything except it's gonna allow more men to participate in Deer Camp every weekend. That's the whole idea. I know when I went through deer camp many years ago, uh, before uh, BPO even owned the land, uh, I mean, 10 guys, and that was it. I mean, and, and if you had if you had rain, you, you were in trouble at that point. But uh, deer camp has grown, and it's gotten to the point that we need to accommodate more men that are there. So on the 21st, we're meeting uh, and doing a fundraising kickoff, trying to spread the load. Uh, Phil's talked many times before, you know, I don't need you to take all of my problem. I just need you to take a wheelbarrow load. So if each one of us can share a little bit of that, the experience that we've had from Deer Camp and give back to that program, or out of an abundance, give to Deer Camp for those men that have not had a yet, have not yet had a chance to experience it, that would certainly be appreciated. And, you know, speaking of that, I was reminded the other day, you know, I, I think the Bible teaches us, there were three things that, that were most important to us, humans and men. Hope. Help me out here. Hope. Love. Yeah. But the greatest of these was love. If you're hurting, if you're not hurting and not filled with sin, maybe you're not the same man I am, where do you overcome that? Love. Love overcomes all. The acceptance, the love that's offered at Deer Camp is on this side of heaven, nothing like nothing else I've ever experienced. I encourage you to spread the word about uh, the 21st, spread the word about us uh, starting back here with a new series, 
for that and the others were there. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. I thank you for ceasefire for hosting us, providing the breakfast and the coffee. Lord, thank you for my brothers, Jeff and Jeff, Chris, and Phil and Ron as they come this morning and start a new series. Lord, anoint them. Watch over them. Open our hearts and open our ears. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Turn my mic on. All right. I'm, I'm hot. Woo! Yeah, I'm hot. Call Carla. Tell her I'm hot. <laughs> uh, so glad uh, to be back. Uh, appreciate uh, Roan and Blair and Scott uh, doing a great job of kind of representing our Alaska trip uh, last week. Um, as, as I've said to you many times before, I call our summer trips uh, summer camp for grown men. And um, it is that. Um, we are in God's cathedral in Alaska. And uh, God did a work, as we said, in the, the circle every morning, uh, pretty much every morning and every evening. And then we played like junior high kids at camp uh, during the day, fishing and uh, being on a glacier. And well, you saw the video. So we, we, we had a great time. Really excited uh, that Rowan and I can work together again. We did that this summer on our uh, intimacy um, piece. And um, I wanted uh, Rowan to help me with this. He and I to work together um, on this series, uh, Marine Jesus. And I'll explain how we got that title and where that's going. Jesus in a boat. Jesus in a boat. That's right. That's right. That's what you, yeah. yeah. Uh, Marine Jesus. Um, but I want to offer you a song um, as we begin this morning that I trust will open our hearts uh, to what God has for us. And um, the song, um, you know, is certainly relevant to the topic, but the video is going to be obvious uh, why I chose this song. The song, uh, Days of Elijah, the words are there on the back of your notes, uh, was written by Robin Mark in 1994. Some of you have heard the song, and Robin Mark tells the story of watching uh, a documentary on uh, the year in review, uh, which was 1994, and the uh, Yawanda uh, War, Civil War was going on, um, and a lot of, you know, just craziness in the world. And he sat down and penned this song, and it's really a song of hope. And man, do we need this song now? Would you uh, listen to the words here just a minute uh, before we listen to the song? Follow the words. Um, he, he goes through the song and uses types of Jesus. And since we're doing a series on Jesus, these typologies, uh, pictures of Jesus through Old Testament biblical characters are relevant. And so he listen to the characters that he pulls up. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord, yea, and these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. Again, he would use Elijah because Elijah was down and out uh, over the province of Baal, and God did a great work when it just seemed so hopeless and that um, Elijah was going to be defeated, and God gave him a great victory. 
So all these biblical characters are characters, even Ezekiel that is mentioned later on, uh, came into the valley of dry bones. And what did God do? Did, uh, what did God do? <laughs> God breathed life into those dry bones. These are the days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword. Still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Say, behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. Lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee out of Zion's hill. Salvation comes. God always makes a way. May you hear the voice of God, especially see the work of God in the visual of the days of Elijah. Thank you for your service. I trust this series will especially be encouraging uh, to you. And I told Papa, my 93-year-old daddy, this past weekend while we were watching the Tennessee game um, in um, um, East Tennessee, that uh, my one of my biggest regrets uh, is that I never got to serve in the military. And, uh, you know, when I was that age, we we're all scared to death that we we're going to Vietnam. Um, and some of you served in Vietnam. And Others of us were hiding in the closet, uh, making sure we didn't get called up. But, you would have been so, Lieutenant Dan. I would have been Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They don't allow thumb sucking in the military. So, <laughs> so follow with me, uh, gentlemen, as we begin our new series, Marine Jesus. And um, 
As we go uh, along this morning, I'll explain how we get uh, Marine Jesus. Marine Jesus, he is with you always, just like your rifle. Simba 5, always faithful. To be a Marine means a daily commitment to live up to the highest standards. Being a Marine means to be ever accountable to the warrior ethos, which adheres to these fundamental truths. Character counts, honesty is incorruptible, and integrity means everything. Gentlemen, we need our Christian commitment to be more Marine-like than what our culture has made Christian men to be or believe. Jesus modeled a warrior-like character. When we discover his true character, we uncover the real Jesus. A true knowledge of Jesus is our greatest need and our greatest happiness. This study will help us be the men God designed us to be, men willing to initiate, take responsibility, and to fight for a cause greater than ourselves. Simplify. Um, during this series, uh, as Ron and I go through this, we'll be using this book as a resource, and I would encourage you to read it. You'll get as much or more from reading John Eldridge's book uh, entitled Beautiful Outlaw, Experiencing the Playful, Disruptive, Extravagant Personality of Jesus. Um, you'll get as much reading from that book as you will from what Ron and I'll share on Thursday morning. But this idea of Marine Jesus uh, really came out of a um, session with a dear friend of mine. And I want to ask Josh uh, Robles uh, to come up and uh, kind of give a little bit of his story of how this whole idea of Marine uh, Jesus came to be. And Josh, just stand here between Ron and I, if you would, and here's, here's a mic. Um, Josh is the proud father of three. He is an attorney uh, working in Yazoo City at the prison, helping be an advocate uh, for guys um, who uh, need freedom. So, Josh, tell us your story. Thank you, Phil. Um, I want to, as a, a good attorney would, I want to provide a disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> Protect yourself. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, and uh, in frame what I'm about to say and share. Um, so you hear my heart. Uh, my, uh, I really desire for you to hear um, what God has done in my life, what he's done in the lives of my children and my family. And, um, and also, uh, I want you to understand that um, because I'm connected to other people, um, uh, their lives matter. Uh, they matter to God. Their stories matter. And um, so as I share, I share with a deference towards them. Uh, out of respect for them and a deference uh, to my kids and their connection to their mother. Um, so, uh, so with that, I'll, I'll share uh, where I started. I, um, uh, as a child, uh, grew up with a, um, a conditioning, a predisposition to be the nice guy, uh, to be the, the nice churchy Southern Baptist uh, church boy. Um, a lot I could share about that brokenness, but for what you need to know with the Marine Jesus connection is that uh, it put me on a trajectory to roll over, uh, to compromise, um, to not acknowledge what was going on inside of me for the sake of uh, being connected to others and accepted by others. Um, that's how I believed love 
uh, was. That's the that was the image or the definition of love that I that I was given. Um, apparently, uh, that type of um, male is attractive to certain females. Um, and I met uh, my wife to be in college, and uh, we got married right after college. had had three kids. Um, and uh, not all at once, but uh, spaced out over time. And uh, we um, uh, started doing life together. It wasn't, uh, it was not um, a picture of heaven from the beginning. Uh, we had trouble from the very start. Uh, we both brought our share of brokenness to the relationship. And, um, and, and I want this to be clear too, that, that I'm aware and, and I, not then, but now, uh, own and accept all the brokenness and um, contribution I brought to that relationship. So um, we were on a path of uh, collision. Um, ultimately, we were married for 14 years altogether. And um, a lot of my brokenness contributed to the dysfunction between us. So uh, the Marine Jesus, thank God, did not leave me there. Um, he didn't leave us there. And in July of 29th or 2017, we started on a path of recovery together. Uh, we went to marriage counseling, did marriage intensives, um, went to, to group meetings together. And uh, for two years, we really invested in, in our marriage, in our family. And I really thought uh, as we were going through it that we were experiencing healing and restoration. Um, in, uh, in 2018, or the latter part of 2018, um, my wife at the time started to experience some, some health issues. And um, I did what, what any husband who is well-intentioned and, and wanting to be a good husband would do. I tried to invest in her and take, take care of her um, at the time. Uh, I noticed as we got into that several months that her... Um, disposition towards me had, had changed. Um, it, it turned towards a, a blaming, this is your fault, I'm experiencing this because of, uh, of all that we've gone through. And, um, and because of the nice Jesus boy that was inside of me and that I was still living really at the time, uh, I believed her. Um, I, uh, and I responded uh, out of guilt, responded out of shame, um, and just tried to double down and be nicer. Um, <laughs> which didn't, uh, didn't pan out. So uh, we, uh, we went through some more cycles in dysfunction. Uh, it actually, we actually kind of reverted. And um, it broke my heart because of all the work uh, that we had put in. And it was very, very hard to see, um, to see that happen to, to us and to our family, uh, to our kids at the time. We were witnessing that uh, as it happened. Um, in, uh, in October of 2019, um, we were in a counseling session, and um, it was uh, a really tense session. Um, it was actually in, uh, not in Phil's office, but in the office suite. And um, <laughs> you probably can remember the yelling uh, that came out of that, um, the office in the office suite. I was traumatized. I bet you, I was too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet you, yeah, Rome was too, all the way to Madison. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, my, wife, my wife at the time uh, stood up in the middle of the session, uh, screamed at me and told me that um, she hated me 
that uh, she never wanted to talk to me again, that she was taking our kids to uh, her hometown in Arkansas and that she'd never talk to me again. Um, and she stormed out of the, stormed out of the room. Um, it was, uh, it was hard. That, um, uh, was very scary for me. Um, if anybody who knows me and is close to me knows how important my children are to me, um, and my wife too, at the time, um, it was, uh, it was terminal diagnosis for me. Um, so thank goodness it was the middle of the school semester um, she she couldn't and wouldn't take them out of the kids out of the school and out of the district um, right then but for two months until uh, christmas i worked um, at trying to offer other options alternatives to leaving um, therapeutic separation um, more counseling more nice <laughs> more um more whatever just pacifying, that um, didn't work. Um, in, uh, on December 26th, uh, 2019, um, she left with our kids, moved out of the house, and, and went to Arkansas. Um, it was a hard, hard moment for me. Um, and not the hardest, but it was hard. Uh, I, um, a lot became real to me in those two months. Uh, in that moment, um, I did feel the presence of God in my life. And one of the uh, one of the lessons, one of the points I'll make about how Marine Jesus is real to me is um, that uh, Marines don't fight alone. Um, and thank God, uh, I did not have to fight alone because I had this community. Um, that part of that recovery process I had been building and God had been building with me a community through the men's coaching community um, that Phil and Rome have here, uh, round table and deer camp, and I wasn't alone in that moment. So the fighting was not uh, just me by myself. Um, and I want to make sure that I highlight that point because it was so crucial in that moment that could have gone any direction for me. But thank goodness uh, I had a community at that point. So um, the uh, all in all, um, my, my wife at the time stayed away seven months uh, with our kids in Arkansas. Um, I worked to try to reconcile uh, and it, it didn't happen, right? It didn't work. Um, and it became clear to me over time that um, I was fighting a different battle and a different enemy and uh, two fronts, one inside myself for the nice uh, mamby-pamby um, Jesus boy that I had inside of me that needed to grow up. Uh, this was my basic. Um, this was my um, refining time. I thought I had gone through that years before uh, as I was working on myself, but not, not like that moment. And um, uh, the other front was fighting whatever enemy the enemy was doing in, um, in my wife at the time in her life. Um, thank God, over time, uh, they moved back in July of 2020. Uh, I faced a really hard decision on divorce. Um, I was aware of all of the things that had to do with timelines and custody and kids. 
And um, in Arkansas, after 60 days, uh, a parent can obtain jurisdiction to file divorce. So once she had lived in Arkansas for two months, um, she could file and I would have to litigate uh, for Mississippi, um, which is something that put me at a tremendous disadvantage. And so to protect my interests, I, um, as a father, I filed for divorce uh, at, on day 58 of her living there. Um, and uh, the divorce was pending for over a year after the process of uh, going through all that. Um, we ultimately finalized divorce in February of, uh, of this year. Um, so we've been divorced since uh, February 24th and um, been working to heal and restore the damage in my children um, to um, help them process and move forward in their lives uh, and also to recover and heal myself. Um, it's not done. Um, just like uh, a war is never over until it's over. And I believe through the process that I've been through that, um, that I'll be fighting until the day that I actually die, mm. which uh, I think is appropriate because yeah. through my experience, um, initially I had to wake up. Um, I had to become alive. I had to start feeling no matter how painful the reality was, I had to feel that. Mm. No matter uh, how scary or dangerous, um, I had to face what was going on in my life. Mm. Being nice and being kind and compromising did not work, um, especially when the lives of my children are at stake or when they're on the line. Uh, they can't afford for me to just be kind mm. or just be nice. I walked away, or I am walking away from this experience with a new definition of love. Um, I believe that uh, a lot of what we receive in terms of the definition of love from church and from our Christian community is too small, um, and it's too innocuous. Uh, it doesn't get the job done because there is real evil, um, and I and I'm saying this in terms of. The, the real enemy, um, Satan, that's in us and in our world. That's who I'm referring to. There's real evil that uh, we have to face. And by not facing it, by not addressing it, that does not go away. Just like a threat in the military or, or a threat somewhere else, it's not going away. We have to face that. Um, I, I'm thankful for the community uh, that's still walking with me. I'm thankful for Ron and Phil um, for giving me this opportunity. And this is uh, still very sensitive to me. I'm still healing. I'm not claiming to have arrived at any level of Marine uh, expertise or special forces, you know, trained. I'm just, I'm just a regular guy who, um, who's been through a moment that uh, God used to refine me. And I'm thankful, thankful for all of you. Thank you, Josh. That, Bill. Amen. <laughs> Let's close with prayer. <laughs> that is marine like. Um, marine like.
And guys, you know, um, as we begin this series and, and, and we're calling it again, Marine Jesus, I can hear my seminary professors in my ear. How can you put any kind of an adjective before Jesus? You know, calling Jesus Marine Jesus. That's awful. And uh, they're not here. <laughs> um, but it helps me, and I hope it helps you, um, because uh, having an idea of a stronger Jesus than what I grew up hearing, uh, it was kind, sweet baby Jesus, uh, almost like Talladega Night baby Jesus. It's crazy. Um, and I needed myself uh, to grow up. And what I would invite you to do, even as we use this label, Marine Jesus, really what we're talking about, much as Josh related, uh, uh, related is boundaries. We could just simply call this boundaries of Jesus. It's the same thing. That a Marine knows how to fight. He's willing to face the enemy. And Jesus modeled that kind of fight as he set boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So keep hearing that. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Um, you know, I think often like this idea of like just be a nice, sweet man. And, you know, not bashing on church or anything, but in my experience uh, with church, that was that was kind of the goal, right? Somehow, like Josh said, if you can just be nicer and, you know, be sweeter and nicer way to heaven, uh, that's what it means to love Jesus. And I think the thing that we don't realize is just even the I mean, the paintings of Jesus, right? Um, I went to a wedding uh, last summer, and I won't say the church, but the big stained glass was, you know, Jesus holding a little lamb. And I'm like, boy, that, that's a common image. And then the famous Norwegian painter, the picture of Jesus, kind of with the glowing, flowing hair, looking off into the distance. He's kind of there, but he's not really there. You know, we all have these images of Jesus. And then the things that we hear and the things that we're told, and as men, it can be very confusing because we are created in the image of God. And scripture is very clear. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And you read the Old Testament and God has not changed. The New Testament didn't truncate the Old Testament. We are still that. And so we have this kind of confusing message and image that we all try to figure out and struggle with. You know, what does it really mean to be a man and to love Jesus? It's process in this series I think we're going to help kind of refine that and define that uh, to where like it's okay to be a man fully alive I think that is the glory of God amen amen Jeff show the uh, picture here that the, the logo um, 
you know, everybody pretty much in the room I, I would say knows, you know, the story behind this picture. I mean, this is Jesus um, moving the money changers, the retail business out of the temple. Uh, it wasn't uh, impulsive. Um, it wasn't reactive. Uh, Jesus saw what was going on and he sat down and it took him a while to make um, the whip that he made. He was deliberate. He was going through a process. It was not reactive. He didn't just go in and just blow his top. But when he went in, he went in as I would suggest to you as Marine Jesus. And this is what we want to uh, begin to look at um, through the next several weeks. Who is that Jesus? You know, even the passage we all know, uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Um, we know that one, right? But the one that I think is maybe even more important, uh, and certainly captures what we're talking about, is John three seventeen, where it says that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. The word save there actually has a military connotation. It is a rescue operation. And the, the rescuer stays with you. I mean, that, that's all in that passage. And I think that kind of sums up the picture of Jesus. It's like, it's a military operation. It's a mission. Absolutely. It's a mission. And he does not leave us and he does not forsake us. He is with us. So pick up your pen and let's go to work here. Again, we've, we've got more material than we could go through here in, uh, uh, all morning. And so we'll get through what we get through. Uh, but I want you to engage. Um, again, part of being a um, follower of Jesus is being more engaging. We are way, way, way too passive as men in general. And even journaling is a way to be active. If you're not writing your life, then you are way too passive. Uh, we've said this for years, journal your way to healing. So first question I want you to respond to, what words would you use to describe Jesus? And I would even ask you to think about the way you grew up. Uh, many of you grew up in church, as I did. Some of you didn't have any kind of background. But what words would you use to describe the Jesus that you were taught? And for me, um, it was nice. Uh, uh, my mother, Ella May, good old Southern double name, uh, Ella May uh, taught me to be nice. And my dad was silent and passive. Um, and it's just like, you know, when it came time to fight, I didn't know how to fight in terms of Jesus. So it was always conflictual. If I needed to fight, I was doing something wrong, even though I knew I needed to do it. And it created this kind of split inside of me. It would have been so much healthier if I would have had a Marine Jesus in my head. So question number two, how do you experience Jesus? When do you feel his love, see him involved in your life, sense that he is with you? And, and again, I'm, I'm emphasizing there, how do you experience Jesus? 
Do you experience this? I, I, I know you can answer t- uh, questions on a trivia uh, contest about Jesus. Where was Jesus born? <laughs> Bethlehem. Wow. Wow. Good for you. But I'm not asking you to respond to trivia questions. I'm asking you, when do you experience Jesus? When do you feel his presence? You know, I think in, in looking at that question, you know, we all get asked questions at times about somebody that a guy knows, and he thinks that you know the guy. And he'll ask you, like, hey, man, what do you, what do you think about John? And, okay, if I kind of know Josh, well, I don't know, Josh, he works up at the pen and he's an attorney and he's got a wife and some kids. You know, I know some things about him, right? But it's like, the difference is, and we do that with God, right? We We know a lot about God. We know a lot about Jesus. But this experience is is really speaks to the intimate part of the relationship or the relationship that we all want and long for. And if somebody asks me today about Josh Robles, I'm like, man, I I know Josh. Josh is a good man. I love that guy. Mm. Now that's a that's an experiential knowing rather than just, hey, yeah, I know about him. And it, it's the same way with God in the, from a relational aspect. Mm. Do, you, do you know about him mm. or do you know him? Yeah, amen. And, I, and Josh, I, I, I so much appreciated what you shared in terms of emphasizing uh, the men's community. Um, mm. and, and that is how we experience Jesus is in his church the the one another i see jesus when i look into the eyes of my brother and i feel his love and i experience his uh expression i'm looking at my good uh, friend phil dixon and i and i have felt god's love hundreds of times as i've sat with phil and had a cup of coffee that's jesus right there loving me through my brother phil dixon final question what does your view of Jesus teach you about being a man in your everyday life? Could you take what you have experienced in your relationship with Jesus and do your job, love your wife, and parent your kids? And I would say there was a season in my life where I would have been blank because Nothing that I knew about Jesus would have helped me love this little fiery rattlesnake Texan. Dude, she scared me to death. You know, you don't nice a rattlesnake, you know? I mean, I had to learn how to deal with a fighter. She was a fighter. And I'd try to be nice with her, and that didn't work, you know? doing my job, uh, being a leader. I've always been a leader. God's just given me that uh, ability. But man, I'd get in a leadership position and I was scared to death, scared to death. I would just crumble, crumble. So again, what does Marine Jesus look like? So turn over to Matthew um, chapter 15. 
and we'll dig into the scripture. All of that in way of introduction. I don't think we're going to get through the outline today, Ron. Have we ever? Have we ever? Exactly. Um, so Matthew uh, 15, really an, an incredible uh, picture of Jesus. This is so uh, troubling in one sense when you really begin to dig into this, but at the same time, I think that you really see a marine Jesus or a boundary Jesus. Um, in this passage, uh, again, you know, if you look at your outline there, and Jeff, you can flash that up. I can't see what you've got on here. Um, before we read the passage, again, what all through this series, I, I want you to understand how to study the scriptures with imagination. I, I think that in studying the scripture, we need to study more with our eyes closed. Read the passage, close your eyes, imagine what that was like. We are so tied to just what we see that it becomes wooden and it takes the personality, the technicolor out of it. It's like looking at a black and white film. I'd much rather watch a colored film and imagination puts the color into it. I, uh, I always think of the passage in Mark where Jesus, you know, the disciples uh, are just, they're us. And they come to Jesus and they're, you know, asking questions and it, in this particular verse, uh, in you know, it, it, it all everything got churched up in translation, right? But I mean, have you ever been hanging out with guys and a guy's just being a dumb? I mean, a guy's being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I you. I mean, like when you're with your buddies and the guy's being stupid, you don't say, as it says in the verse, "Are you still so dull?" Like. Imagine you sitting there with your buddies and the guy's just being stupid. You probably said something really different, right? I mean, that to me is like the reality, the real Jesus. Like he probably looked at him and go, golly, are you still so stupid? Emotion, inflection, tone of voice. Are you still so dull? That would just be weird. And Jesus was not weird. He was unique and he had personality. So let's dig into the passage. Healing um, from Jesus' perspective. Um, Matthew uh, 15, verse 21. From, the, from there, Jesus took a trip to Tyre and Sidon. They had hardly arrived when a Canaanite woman. All right, now, Canaanite woman, who's that? You know, she's a Gentile. You know, she lived in this area. Her family lived in this area way before we got here, is what Jesus would say. I mean, you know, we might say in, in, in our culture, an Indian woman, an Indian woman. She was here, you know, a feather Indian, not red dot, right? <laughs> I can't say yeah, feather. I'm sorry. Jeff, I can't say that. that. I'm sorry. Delete that. I just said that. The film just got canceled. That's right. Yeah. All right. So a Canaanite woman, Canaanite woman, came down from the hills and pleaded, Mercy, Master, son of David, my daughter is cruelly afflicted by an evil spirit. She's in need. Jesus ignored her. 
Now, in your study Bible, it actually reads, he did not answer her a word. Now, if LMA would have been there, LMA would say, now, Phil, don't you ignore her. Be nice. Jesus ignored her. Now, guys, as we keep studying Jesus, the thing that amazes me about Jesus more than anything else is not that he died on the cross. I mean, yeah, we kind of expected that, right? That was publicized. Not that he rose from the dead. It was prophesied. But what amazes me about Jesus was his ability to say no. To me, that is miraculous. Because how do you say no when you have the capability to give and you don't? Dude, that would make me feel guilty. I mean, feel hardened, codependent, not giving, you know, not having 40 guys on a, on a trip to Alaska and only 28. How, how do I live with myself? You know, he ignored her. The disciples came and complained. Now she's bothering us. Would you please take care of her? She's driving us crazy. Talk, talk, talk you know, a nagging woman. Everybody, anybody ever experienced that? Well, you said Never. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. I said it right the first time, right? All right. So, so look at verse 24. Jesus refused. He basically didn't do anything. Telling them, I've got my hands full dealing with the lost sheep of Israel. There it is. Jesus is a racist. Jesus is racist. Did you hear what he said? He said, I'm all about the Jews. I'm not helping that Canaanite woman. I mean, I tell you, in our woke culture, there it is. Jesus got canceled. Jesus got canceled. He's a racist. He's basically saying, my mission is to help the Jews. I'm not helping a Canaanite woman. That would be a poor interpretation, but you could see it that way. Because that's, that's what he's saying. My, my mission is to get the sheep of Israel. Then the woman came back to Jesus, dropped to her knees and begged, Master, help me. Oh my goodness. And then look at what Jesus says. I mean, Jesus ups the ante. He, he did not say this. Elame is turning over in her grave. Look at what Jesus said. He said, it's not right to take bread out of children's mouths and throw it to dogs. Do you see what he's saying? He's calling the Canaanites dogs. Now, dude, if Phil Harden said that, you guys would cancel me. That's not nice and sweet. That's not nice and sweet. He calls the Canaanites dogs. And she was quick. You're right, master. But beggar dogs do get scraps from the master's table. Wow. She was persistent. And Jesus gave in 